It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast for another week of uh, filling the time until football season starts, uh, which is, I guess, what we're, well, I mean, media day in a media day a month from today. So Yeah, we have that to look forward to. Yeah, so only a month of us just pretty much, uh, you know, making stuff up, which is what we're going to do today. Last week, we started looking at the Missouri football season with like four seconds on Tennessee Martin and a few minutes on Wyoming. So we are going in chronological order uh, by the schedule. We're going to talk a little bit about the Purdue Boilermakers today, talking with Brian Newbert. uh, He covers Purdue for Rivals.com, GoldenBlack.com. I always have to think if it's gold and black or black and gold, but I got it right, right, Brian? You did. Uh, okay. You're the only person on the planet who gets that right. I think the alphabetical component triggers with people, and they think black and gold, but you nailed it, and I appreciate it. Black and gold just kind of, I don't know, it rolls off the tongue. I've been used to saying right. that for a you're long right. time, too. So You are right. But, uh, okay, so Purdue football, um, this, is a, uh, this is a program that Missouri fans have not liked very much for about the last nine months now. Um, fair to say Jeff Brom overachieved in, uh, in year one in West Lafayette, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, relative to expectation, you know, Purdue was, you can make a, a really, really strong case. Purdue was the worst FBS program over the five years prior, uh, in the country. I know some Kansas fans. Yeah. Might, Kansas uh, and Illinois and Rutgers would that. like to talk, but yeah, but Purdue, I mean, you guys, didn't see the games and you didn't cover the recruiting. And I mean, it was just, it was bottomed out. It was scorched earth, you know, utter suffocating hopelessness. And, uh, (laughs) you know, obviously two things happened. One, Purdue got really serious about football. They really invested in the program, built a beautiful training center, really invested a lot of resources in the football, started playing big boy football, Um, got a really good coach who obviously proved himself uh, to be a really good coach last season, and uh, I don't think I don't think anybody expected them to win in a meaningful way right away. I think a lot of people uh, expected this to be a you know step one, step two, step three. Maybe by year four, uh, you're back to respectability. Um, but what happened was he inherited largely a number of defensive players who were really not very good as a unit, um, to put it mildly. Uh, the few years prior. And they just were really, really good right away. The system worked, played to their strengths for the first time in several years. Uh, they were really good defensively. And, you know, Purdue hired Jeff Brom to win with offense. And as it turned out, right away, they won with defense. And uh, now it's kind of changed the way everybody looks at the program. There's a lot of positive momentum. Recruiting's going very well. And uh, now the good problem they have is that they've kind of changed expectations. And now they kind of have to live up to them. Brian Mitchell Forty here. Uh, you touched on this a little bit, but you know, I, I loved your description of how things were. Uh, I guess you know before Jeff Brown arrived, it bottomed out hopelessness. How, how different has you know just the energy around the program and, and the fan sense been this off season compared to maybe two years ago? Yeah, I mean, it, it is night and day. It is uh, um, absolute polar opposite. You know, as I mentioned before, it was kind of utter hopelessness. Nobody was coming to the games. Nobody was buying tickets. Even if you did, you were going uh, to their stadium to watch them get punked out by Minnesota and Illinois and people like that. And it just didn't – there was almost nothing positive 
you know, going on. And now you fast forward 24 months later, whatever it is, everything's changed. The fan base is energized. You know, uh, they've had success on the field, meaningful success on the field right away when they weren't supposed to. Uh, recruiting is going, you know, a thousand times better than the, you know, FBS worst recruiting that kind of preceded it. And it's just transformed. Uh, that's the best word I can, I can sort of think of. The administration at Purdue has really invested, really supported this, and it paid immediate, immediate dividends. And, uh, you know, it's quite honestly been shocking how quickly this has turned around. Now, you know, for Purdue to continue this momentum, as I said before, it's a good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless is that you have to live up now. You have to keep holding up that end of the bargain. And if you slip back, you know, from seven wins to five wins, when in the big picture five wins in year two still would have been something, you know, probably acceptable if not positive, you start to worry about that momentum going away. Um, But as of right now, everything's, you know, completely, utterly 1,000% different than it was at this time two years ago. You kind of touched on what I was going to ask you next. I mean, how much, I guess, recalibration of expectations are there among Purdue fans? I mean, when what would have been acceptable in this program in year two, maybe after year one, you go, hang on, we, we got to go back and reassess. I mean, is that going to be fair? Like, is is Jeff Brom's second team, and I know it's early, camp hasn't even started, like, is this one you look at and say, hey, they can replicate or even improve on what they did last year? Or do you look at it and say, uh, this this might be actually tough to get to where they got last year? Yeah, well, they lost a lot of pieces on defense. And you know, as I mentioned before, you know, they hired Jeff Brom to win with offense, and it turned out they won right away with defense. And they lost the majority of their key players on defense. So that's where all the questions are going to lie right away. Um, so without that defense, as it was last season, I think on paper it looks like they're really going to be hard-pressed to replicate that success on that side of the ball. You couple that with a schedule that I don't know who it was, but somebody ranked as the second-toughest schedule in college football next year. That's a pretty uh, – seems like a pretty explosive combination. And when it comes to, you know, the perceptions of the program, I guess it's an eye of the beholder. But, you know, they won seven games right away. You know, fans, fans doing what fans do, you know, start talking about Big Ten titles and, oh, Big Ten West, it's a cakewalk. You know, it's perfectly reasonable. We can get to the Big Ten title game win that and you know suddenly we're in the uh we're in the playoff and it's a whole new world it's like, well it's a whole new world but sometimes whole new worlds barrel out of control and you kind of worry about not worry it's obviously not my problem um i don't know if it's anybody's problem but um you sort of worry about people getting ahead of themselves a little bit and kind of as i mentioned that momentum before it's really important to keep that momentum going uh in some way and regression in this case would be perfectly reasonable it would be perfectly understandable given the way i kind of put it is that the tree kind of grew leaves last year before the roots had taken hold they just happened to do it with smoke and mirrors they just won a bunch of games by making timely plays by winning with defense because a system put a bunch of inherited players in a position where they were better than the sum of their parts and you know a lot of that stuff has changed now and you combine that with the difficulty of the schedule, and I think it would be perfectly reasonable for them to win fewer games 
this year, but also make important strides, you know, at the grassroots level of the program, which doesn't necessarily translate right away to things that, you know, people want to see in terms of results. So that's sort of the, uh, that's sort of the, the dynamic going on right now, in my opinion, anyway. Now, Brian, obviously we t- talked about how, you know, no one knows exactly uh, what, what to expect from Purdue this season, but, you know, Jeff Brown obviously just got a contract extension, and, and I know, you know, this question kind of depends on, on how he does the next couple of years. Do you think he's going to be in West Lafayette for long, or, or how long do you think it, it might take for a, a bigger program to, you know, pay him more and get him there? Yeah, as you might imagine, I get that question a lot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. A lot. And I, I just – I don't really know what, you know, he's thinking, what his aspirations are. Um also very possible that Purdue in a couple of years is a great situation too. What I think some people on the outside don't know necessarily is that Purdue's a much better job than it was a couple of years ago. They're paying really well. They have a great new facility. Um, they have an AD who's great to work for. Um, so I don't think he's in any hurry to get out of Purdue. Uh, but it's kind of a – moot point i guess you'd say uh unless purdue keeps winning and i think obviously you know purdue's got to keep doing what it did last year and if that happens he's going to have people come after him obviously i think he proved himself last year as a really good coach i think his name's you know hot right now but he has he has to keep it hot by you know continuing with the results um you know the other part of it too is the way they're recruiting uh you know the way he's got university backing here it's possible two or three years down the line, Purdue's a job he doesn't want to leave. Um, I think he fits very well in the community here. I think he's getting paid a ton of money. Uh, you know, I think everybody says it's about the coach they cover, but they're not, you know, we sometimes we say, oh, they're not in it for the money just because we're being a little myopic about it because we know the people. But I know at the end of the day, everybody's in it for the money. But he's getting paid really well. I don't know what the difference to him between $4 million and $5 million would be. You know, this story has been told many times about the 2004 Honda Accord or Toyota Corolla, whatever it is. I get the two confused because I think they're basically the same car. <laughs> but um, I just don't know. I know Louisville, obviously, the, the pull to Louisville would be very strong uh, personally should the Louisville job opens up. And I know a lot of people assume that's where uh, that would be the next logical step. But if he keeps winning like he won, you know, who knows about like the – Notre Dame's of the world and stuff like that. Um, but that is one of the many good problems Purdue football has right now. Um, their aim here was to get football fixed, and football, at least in the short term, has been fixed. And I guess they'll kind of cross those bridges when they come to them. Just a couple more with Brian Newbert from goldenblack.com. So uh, the Mizzou-Purdue game last year, I mean, we did a podcast a couple weeks ago, kind of the year in review, and Mitchell and I both singled that out as maybe the most disappointing moment of Missouri's uh, entire sports year because I have seen a lot of horrendous football out of Missouri in 30 years, and that was like in the top five worst games I've ever witnessed. So a, a lot of people are pointing to, you know, the game at Purdue this year is basically Barry Odom's Super Bowl, like a game – He's almost got to go win to come back next year. Uh, And I don't think that's true, but it is out there. So from a Purdue perspective, how big is that game for this season? I mean, they start with Northwestern. Then the week after Missouri, they've got Boston College at home. They've got four straight home games. Like, that Missouri game could theoretically be, you know, make them anywhere from 4-0 to to 2-2. 
Yeah, I guess kind of up front, you sort of look at it like, well, when you look at how difficult Purdue's schedule is, you start to look at where you should get wins. I don't know enough about Missouri's team coming back. I just know that when you have a home game against a team that you beat the way Purdue beat them in Columbia last year, you, you, you typically look at that like, okay, they can get that one. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, I think the element of surprise uh, really worked in Purdue's favor, too, in that first uh, first game with Missouri. That was their second or third game under Jeff Brom. I don't remember if the Ohio game was before or after that. It was um, the week before, yeah. Okay, so everything was still relatively new. Uh, if I recall correctly, Missouri had gone through a little bit of changes on their staff right before that, so perhaps things weren't as stable on both sides uh, in terms of each other knowing each other uh, at that point in time. So you might even look at that result a little bit as a, a, a bit of an aberration, a bit of an outlier. So I, I certainly wouldn't look at this game this year as, oh, you know, the same thing's going to happen this year. Purdue's got them at home, so they're going to roll again. I, I would I would look at it the opposite way. I would expect a much, much more difficult game um, than, you know, Purdue experienced up there uh, last year. That being said, I don't know anything about Purdue's team right now. We don't know who the quarterback is. We don't know how they're going to how they're going to piece together a defense. Um, but as you said at the start of the show, we have to we have to occupy people's time some way uh, this time of year. So we're talking about a lot of things that are very much unknown, unknown commodities. Yeah, I, I don't know is a really boring podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to go with hell if I know. Yeah, that works too. Um, Brian, you talked about you know the pieces that, that uh, Purdue is losing on defense going into this year. Um, you know, you can't say I don't know to this question as well, but uh, do you uh, do you expect this to be more of a, a classic Jeff Brom type team that, you know, we started to see it a, a little bit last year in the bowl game, if I remember correctly, they threw the ball like 65 times or something like that. Do you expect that to kind of be a week-in, week-out thing for, for Purdue this year, throw it a lot, put up a lot of points? Well, they have more talent, young talent at wide receiver uh, than they had a year ago, and they have some guys who came in as junior college transfers last year who – were can't help but get better because the transition didn't go very well. Uh, they're talented guys. I think they have maybe they go into this season with a little more known commodities as skill position players. One would think too that an extra year in the system, knowing what you know, uh, Purdue likes to do offensively with these players, the familiarity adds up to a step forward uh, on offense. Uh, you have a lot of experience there. You have two really good tight ends. Uh, you got two quarterbacks who both started, are both healthy now. Um, offensive line is going to be a question. But I think o- offensively, they go into the season maybe a little bit uh, ahead of where they were last year, perhaps way ahead of where they were last year. The other side of that coin is the amount of uh, value they got out of trick plays. and Just the unexpected was – was obviously profound and now you would think everybody who plays Purdue next year is sitting here thinking be ready for anything all the time I don't understand how Arizona did not know that they were going to run that fake kneel down I mean it's have you not watched Purdue play all year anyway (laughs) um, but with the defense you know being sort of a question mark uh, obviously um, it is tough to really know what to expect uh, on on that side of things. Um, but in terms of it being a, a you know, the quote-unquote classic uh, Jeff Brom team, I would think it's obviously uh, maybe one of the stories of the season that, hey, you won with defense last year, now it's time to win with offense. 
and uh, that's uh, probably going to be a theme you're going to hear pretty considerably. So if if uh, Jeff Brom football is winning with offense and chucking around and you know playing at a pretty fast tempo and doing anything at all times, then I would absolutely positively agree with that because I think they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to do something to. Uh, overcome what we'd expect to be some regression defensively and the best way to do that is to you know score more points all right last thing for you brian and you are by trade more of a basketball guy i know that you have known conzo martin for a long time just kind of from the outside following you know uh now missouri from a distance at least with a little bit of intrigue just give kind of missouri fans your thoughts on conzo and and what he did in year one here in columbia yeah, um, he is uh, one of the best human beings I think I've ever covered. Just a, a really stand-up guy in every sense of the term. You know, I, I was around him obviously when he had his his uh, his health situation, and uh, um, not to get too personal with you, but I also had a little bit of a, uh, a health situation around that same time. And he and I had a, a number of conversations about that kind of thing and uh, you know he, he still remembers all these years later all the details about mine and just a really really you know stand-up guy uh, and as a coach I'm sure that really really helps him and really really people really really value it I think he relates to players I mean I've, I've not been around him on a regular basis and you know for years now but I, I'm sure he relates really well to players I'm sure he's a guy who you know is going to bring uh bring the best out of people because they respond to him and his story and uh, just could not be happier for the success he's gone on to have here. And obviously he's done a very good job recruiting. Um, you know, I think he's always been a good recruiter, but you know, sometimes you're only as good as what you're recruiting to. And uh, you know, he was on some, some staffs there at the end of the Gene Katie era that really didn't have, um, you know, a whole lot to sell at that point in time, did a good job recruiting early for, for Matt Painter before he went on to get his job at Missouri state. Um, but he's obviously proven proven himself in the ranks. I think he's probably one of the one of the better coaches in the country, quite honestly. Um, following him at Tennessee, following him a little bit at Cal, and then obviously seeing the you know the the, the success. I'm sure it wasn't as much success as he wanted right away at Missouri, but I think he's got them you know pointing in the right direction. All right, well, Brian, appreciate your time, man. I know you're busy. Uh, hey, three months from today, we're going to check out West Lafayette, and uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll buy you a drink. Yeah. I actually no promises, have, uh, I, sh- I shouldn't admit this, but I need that game to go quick because I have Taylor Swift tickets that night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we no, all I, need I, that I'm, game I'm to go quick. I don't know if that's the reason we should share publicly, but we all need all games to go quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, honestly, I, we're going to take our daughter to see Taylor Swift in Indianapolis okay. that night. So hopefully not a lot of uh, not a lot of passing. You you are redeemed by saying you were going to take your daughter. If it was like you and your wife checking out Taylor Swift, we would have some more questions. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> we'd never do that. That would be creepy. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Brian Newbert, goldenblack.com. I uh, appreciate him taking some time. And, I like, I didn't realize until I looked at the schedule. I mean, you know, three months from tomorrow, we're in week three of the season. So, like, we joke about how far away it is, but – Honestly, it's not that far away. Right, right. And fall camp will start here in less than two months, so yeah. we're getting there. I'm excited now that we're going to be in West Lafayette for a Taylor Swift concert. Maybe I'll check it out. That's a big deal. <laughs> I, I feel like um, I feel like we probably won't go. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we can't put that on the Power Mizzou credit card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can, yeah, I can put about anything on it, but <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I'm not sure that's number one. Um, 
All right, so we talked to Missouri's football players yesterday. I mean, I, it just kind of a, hey, they're giving us the opportunity to talk to them, so let's go talk to them. There right. wasn't really anything pressing. I did enjoy when Drew Locke said that, you know, two or three years ago, their workouts that they're doing now would have been uh, a certain kind of show, and it was, <laughs> it, was, it was not like the good kind of show. Right, it was, right. It was not complimentary, but I, I don't know. If I came out with anything, I came out thinking – even to more of a degree than I thought this last year. Like, Drew seems like a guy, like, this is his program. He's in charge. He's comfortable in his own skin. He has somewhat of a personality, which I don't think he had two years ago. And like I said last year, I have no idea if that translates into on-field success. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I I think it's something. I think that, yeah, I feel like, you know, talking to coaches and guys, and of course, like, anytime you talk to a coach in June, everything's great. You know, everything's perfect. This is the best offseason they've ever had. But I do kind of get the sense that there's a little bit more stability around the program this year than in the past few years. Um, You know, obviously, when when Barry Odom took over, there there was, you know, a whole lot going on, and I think they've just kind of added a little bit more stability and uh, the the big thing is, you know, they have so many returning players. They, the whole offensive line, Drew Locke's a senior. Uh, I talked extensively with uh, Therese Hall, linebacker, wrote a story about him that, that ran this morning. He's kind of been taking over the mantle as the defensive leader and putting them through uh, the player-led workouts and stuff like that. So, you know, like I said, anytime you talk to, to coaches and players in June, everything's great. But right. it, it does seem that there's uh, there's some good leadership on the team. All right, so, I mean, we, we just spent a few minutes talking about Purdue, and look, there's no question that that is the first here-you-go-fork-in-the-road moment of the season. I Like, I think it's overstating it to say if they lose that game, the season's done. Like, oh, yeah. they can still, you know, because we've made a lot about, like Brian was talking about how difficult Purdue's schedule is, and I looked at it and, like, I mean, there's there's two games. They've got Ohio State at home. They're probably going to lose that. And they've got Wisconsin at home. I imagine they're going to lose that. Then there's a bunch of games that, like, I mean, they don't blow me away. But none of them are gimmies. It's kind of right. like Missouri's schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, Missouri has two. Uh, you're not winning that, that game games. And then they have a bunch of games that are like, yeah, I see why the strength of schedule numbers say it's a hard schedule. But, like, I don't know. I there's no games that I look at and go, well, that's really tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I feel like the SEC East is somewhat similar to the Big Ten in that, uh, you know, you have Ohio State and Georgia, and I'm, you know, this is only half the SEC versus whole the Big Ten, but you have one really good team and then a bunch of teams that, like, could be good given the depending on the year, but this year you're like, ah, maybe, and, I don't know. Do you play them at home or on the road? That's kind of like the right. most important factor. A but, bunch of teams that could beat any other team on any given day, which is why at the end of the year everybody's sitting 7-5 <laughs> and five and you say right. that league sucks. Right, right, yeah. But, no, I mean, I definitely – I think it's it's overstating it to say any one regular season game is, is a team Super Bowl or is pivotal to a coach's future. But the Purdue game really, I think – like, you know, if they do what they did last year and get blown out, I mean, the, the support is just going to it's yeah. just going to erode. I mean, especially if, you know, because they have a, a really tough stretch after that. Their next three games are like, you know, at uh, at Alabama, Georgia at home, at South Carolina. I don't think that's the Not right in that order. order but, but yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I mean, you lose that if you lose the Purdue game and you lose those three, you're sitting at two and four with the only two wins against Tennessee, Martin and Wyoming. And, and you know, it's a similar position to last year. And people are just I'm, but going through that a second year in a row, I just I can't imagine the support will be there. The coaches, the week of the Purdue game, they're going to tell us they're not doing this. Mm-hmm. If I am a coach, I am like plastering video of that game from last year. I am plastering all the stories we all wrote after that game 
all over the football complex and saying, seriously, this is what they think of. Absolutely. I mean, if Missouri doesn't come into that game fired up, I mean, you know, what are the, mm-hmm. yeah, what are they even doing? I mean, they, <laughs> right. they got embarrassed. They got embarrassed. I mean, yeah. that was, that was just, I mean, yeah, it was a beatdown. So it's certainly, you know, and Brian talked a little bit about how, you know, this year Purdue won't have quite the same, uh, you know, surprise factor and Missouri should have definitely a lot more of a motivating factor. No question. No question. So that's the Mizzou, Mizzou part of this podcast. So, hey, we've got a few more minutes to fill. So let's move on to, I'm using air quotes here, major sporting events this week. <laughs> um, so if I tell you, because like they each have their pocket of fans and, and, you know, they are major sports, but they are not NFL, NBA, NHL. So the World Cup's happening and the U.S. Open in, in golf is happening. If I tell you, and I'm pretty sure I know your answer, I know my answer, but if I tell you, okay, you have to watch Thursday through Sunday. Like, you have to sit down and watch every minute of coverage of either the U.S. Open or the World Cup. What are you watching? Uh, it's, yeah, it's not even close. It's the U.S. Open. I would watch the U.S. Open practice rounds over the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would watch, like, I would honestly, I would watch the U.S. Open over the NBA Finals. I would, so I probably I'm would, maybe too. I, the wrong I really, person to ask. Yeah, I think we agree here. We both really enjoy golf and are not huge soccer fans. <laughs> yes, um, that is that is fair to say. Um, there, One advantage, there are some Americans playing in the U.S. Open. That's true. So That's that true. might be few, yeah. something that, that sways it toward golf. But as we are recording this, like I looked at the U.S. Open leaderboard before I came in here. Phil Mickelson is six over par through 12 holes. Jordan Spieth, six over par through 12 holes. Uh, Jason Day, eight over through 14. And Rory McIlroy, 10 over through 12. Like, that's why I like the U.S. Open because, like, I like watching pros play and going, hey, that's like me. <laughs> like, if don't get me wrong. If I played that course, I would be 47 over par on the front nine. Yeah. But, like, I have played rounds of golf where I was 10 over through 12 holes. Yeah. And so I look at that and I say, hey, they feel like I feel on the golf mm-hmm. course. I t- honestly, though, 10 over, if I, when I'm 10 over through 12 holes, I'm like, you know, Cruz, that's about average, maybe a little better. Right. They're, they're really happy. upset. But, but yeah, right. no, I agree. The, the golfers hate the U.S. Open, I think, and, you know, at least a lot of them just because they, you know, they can't shoot their six under par rounds and whatnot. Yes. But uh, I, I like it. I like watching them grind it out, have the winning score be two under or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll be watching all weekend. Any tournament that is four days of, like, John Vandeveld on the 18th in the <laughs> British Open, I will watch that all day. Like, you watch NASCAR for the racks, right? Mm-hmm. I watch golf. For the time that some guy moves the ball 17 inches out of eight foot tall <laughs> yeah, you have, and you have the potential always for just epic collapses, which is yeah, it's it's my favorite, probably my favorite part about golf too. I love the I love the Sunday collapses. Maybe that's it makes me sound like a sadistic person or something. But. Well, I mean, I'm just looking for. I, I'm really a fan of any sport that I look at and I go, yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. There are not many. In fact, <laughs> there also golf is not that way. <laughs> Let's be honest. But you know. Um, so I don't know. Is there nothing else is really going on? Is it? Oh no, not really. I mean, we've uh, you know, we we had a whole bunch of recruiting news this past week. Um, we there, did. There will yeah. probably be some more uh, some more visits and, and commitments in the next month or so. But yeah, I mean, Jack Buford is committed. We talked about that last week. Apparently, Barry Odom had some big summit with a bunch of African American high school coaches in mm-hmm. St. Louis. So hey, it, it seems to have done good things on that side and 
I, look, you can argue all day long whether he should have to do it, shouldn't have to do it, whatever. And our, our board has argued all day long yes. for several days. <laughs> yes, uh, but re- recruiting and really running a football program, I think, is is largely PR. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you can do something that helps PR, great. especially this program right now, like, I don't know if you noticed, Mitchell, there were some empty seats at the stadium last year. <laughs> so anything you can do maybe to put a couple people in those seats, I would say go do it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we there, you get a lot of argument about needing to, uh, you know, go and, and appease people in, in St. Louis and stuff like that. But, I mean, the, the bottom line is you, you can debate about the reasons and, and why those people are upset, but if – I mean, if people aren't uh, excited about the program, you, you should, I mean, just do what you can to get them excited, get the, get them uh, having, you know, telling uh, their, their players, their high school coaches about Missouri, get, you know, Missouri logos and coaches in front of their faces and get them out to games. So, I mean, the, the bottom line is you gotta, you gotta sell tickets to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. No question. It is uh, the, the last thing I wanted to touch on. Um, it is Father's Day weekend this weekend, which my favorite Father's Day present, which, again, I will not get to do this year, is always just to sit down and turn on the U.S. Open and just watch six straight hours of mm-hmm. it. Um, I will actually be announcing a swim meet on Sunday, oh, which is well, almost brutal. as good. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> almost as good. Um, but uh, I'm, at, I'm taking my dad uh, to, to a deal in Kansas City tonight. And on Sunday, I'll have a story on the side. I talked to Conzo Martin and Barry Odom about being uh being sports dads and you know going and watching their kids compete a lot of pretty interesting stuff in there i hope you'll read that um you know big plans for for pat 40 well, on father's my, day. my dad got his father's day gift from yahoo and that is that he is at the u.s open so oh, he yeah. kind of yeah takes your he, he, got he takes father's your dream day father's gift. day and kind of one-ups it but it's like all paid for which is i, I feel like i should have been invited even though it's technically his holiday. I don't Every know how day that is really kids works. day, Mitchell. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely check out uh, Gabe's story on the side. I've read it. It is good. Um, yeah. He, he has to say that or his check doesn't get mailed <laughs> next week. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Um, I don't know. Next week we'll talk a, a pop quiz because I don't know the answer to this. If I ask you what the game after Purdue was on the schedule, do you know? Well, I just said it's either it's either I, at, at Alabama, home versus Georgia, or at South Carolina. I know Carolina. it's not at Alabama's in October. Okay, I well, feel it's like one of those it's home three against Georgia. I think you're right, but I I know it's one of those three again. I know those are the next three because I know they're hard okay. games. So apparently, we're going to talk about Georgia football next week on the podcast. I don't know go. what else we're going to do. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about the uh, world. No, we won't talk about the World <laughs> Cup. We'll find some other stuff anyway. Thanks for listening.